On this segment of the BU Podcast, we sit down with Miss Ella McCann, former English teacher in Japan and now international program manager with Chicago Sister City International. Today, we sit down and speak to Ella about what brought her to become interested in Japan as a black woman. And while she was in Japan, did she ever feel accepted? Did she become accepted? And if she did become accepted, when did she kind of realize this? And why such a short stay in Japan? And last but not least, what advice does Miss McCann have for any black woman or black man that is looking to come abroad and live specifically in Japan? So with that being said, let's go ahead and sit back and relax. And remember, always be you. Welcome to the Be You Podcast. Be You Podcast. Yo, 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 yo. Hello, everybody. This is your boy, Ashley, of the B Podcast. Don't forget on Instagram, Ashley underscore B-E-U number four E-V-E-R on Instagram. Find the B-U Podcast on all podcasting platforms. Like I always say, I think most of you use Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which are the two most popular. But we're on all podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Breaker, et cetera, et cetera. You can find us on all of them. That's not an issue. So today, unfortunately, my man's Mr. Lovely Day couldn't make it. I believe uh, he may have got a, caught up with some family business or something of that nature. So we're going to be going solo with this interview today. Just me, our guests, and you out there that are part of the BU family. I really appreciate you for joining me. Um, today, we're going to be speaking with Ella. I really like her name on Instagram, too. Ella the Connector. Really deep. I really like that. I was looking at that. I was like, man, that's a dope-ass name. I wish I would have thought of it first. You know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we're going to be speaking with her. And we're going to go into a short interlude. And when we come back, I'm going to give you the introduction of Miss Ella, and then we're going to get into it. So as you always know, sit back, relax, and always be you. All right. So we're back at it, my people. And I have Miss Ella sitting here with me. Hello. How, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm excited. Thank you for having me here. No, thank you for coming on, man. I'm still surprised that I'm we're already so many episodes in. Yeah. And that I've been talking to some amazing and beautiful people from different cultures, different ages, different backgrounds. And I've really been enjoying this. Yeah. It sounds so great. Yeah. So if you don't mind, can I just go ahead and give a little bow about you? Sure. Sure. Sounds background. Good. Introduce the yeah. people to you, the amazing yeah. Ella. I appreciate that. No problem at all. So, Ella McCann. McCann? McCann, yep. McCann, okay, McCann. Is an international program manager with Chicago Sister Cities International. Ella manages volunteer sister city, sister city committees, coordinates exchanges that focus on cultural arts and tourism, international business, and economic development. Wow. Global education and government wow. relations between Chicago and its sister wow, cities. Bro. Facilities facilitates, excuse me, facilitates international delegation visits and yeah. produces CSCI program wide events. Ooh, okay, we got a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Ella is a native of Chicago, Illinois. Okay, Chi-Town stand up. That's what's going Thank on. You. She holds a bachelor's of arts and language as a tool to break down cultural barriers from the Johnston Center of Integrative Studies at the University of Redlands in Southern California. Before joining Chicago Sister Cities International, Ella was the outreach coordinator at the Consulate General of Japan in Chicago, managing school visits at Chicago public schools and introducing Japanese culture to Chicagoans. From 2012 to 2014, she lived in Japan and was an assistant language teacher in Chiba Prefecture as part of the Japan Exchange and Teaching Program. Ella is fluent in Japanese and knowledgeable in Spanish. 
from Japan, okay? <laughs> In 2018, Ella was awarded 40 game changers under 40 in Chicago by the Urban Business Roundtable presented at WVON and Aerial Investments. In 2020, Ella launched Ella Marie TV, interviewing people all over the world who are pushing the culture forward. Woo! Sounds good when you read it. <laughs> I'm always don't, like, don't, don't play yourself down like that it is good no, it is you. amazing that thank you are you. doing that for the culture I'm trying. thank you for joining me today yeah. I really appreciate it so quickly before we get into the questions you said you have a Ella Marie TV can you just yep. give a little background go ahead and give a little background about that for people before we get into <laughs> yeah. it um, yeah. So yeah, you can find it Ella Marie Te T E R E B I Terebi, which is the phonetic spelling of TV in Japanese on YouTube. Yeah, Terebi. Um, and I interview people all over the world. Um, a lot of musicians that are working with K-pop artists or writing songs. Um, a lot of local Chicago artists um, and just people who are really pushing, you know, black culture forward or culture forward in general all over the world. And I launched it back in August last year and it's been great so far. Got to interview um, Paper Pat, who's been like really big um, in Japan uh, as a teacher on TikTok, if you will. Um, that's my most recent one. So yeah, hope you all check it out. Yeah, man, we definitely will. My boy. What's up? Hello, everyone. Um, Hello. Amazon came at the wrong time. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I told y'all that it seemed like my boy probably wouldn't be joining me because I thought something maybe came up with the wife or something, man. So I was like, oh, man, stuff happens. So we're going to go oh, ahead no. and run it. But he's here. Yeah, Amazon came with my pack. So and then, yeah, it's a little it's crazy. They mixed the packages. And then I was like, what? oh, I don't have that money. Let me find it. <laughs> <laughs> they mixed me and the wife's package together. We were both confused. We were like, oh, my gosh. Just not adding up. Oh, they're together. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for coming, my brother. Oh, so he's here. You. And we both at it again. Yeah. On the BU podcast. Ella, I love your show. I checked it out the other day. While oh, I thank the you. Yeah, thank it was you. great. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Did I subscribe? I think I, I know I like. Let me I make sure. You think so? I don't feel like you did. I'm, I'm a YouTube head. So sometimes I just yes, be going through folks. I just go through folks stuff. And sometimes I don't. I forget to right. go back and back check. Yeah, let yeah. me know if there's anything. Yeah. Yeah, before we get into it, like I said, that's why we kind of mix and match pretty well. I'm kind of like the mild life crazy dude, and Lavelle, like the more smooth, calm, and collected, calculated brother. <laughs> you gotta have balance. You gotta have balance. Yeah, you gotta you. Have balance. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So let's go ahead. Man, let's go ahead and get into it then. So, first, Ella, what I gotta ask you is. What brought you to be interested in Japan as a woman, and not only as a woman, as a African American black woman? We are really curious about that, and I think a lot of people out there in the Bigu family, in the pot, and in the podcast world would like to know that as well too. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so I grew up studying Spanish my whole life, and I um, like from kindergarten, and um, I got to college, as I mentioned, as you mentioned, I went to the University of Redlands, the Johnson Center for Integrative Studies, and at the time, the university had a program called May Term, and so I had originally planned when I went to college that I was going to go study abroad in Ecuador for May Term, and then I was going to go to Spain for my study abroad, like, longer term thing, because Spanish was the only language that I knew, and I thought, that's how I'm gonna, that's how I'm gonna make it happen. And I went to the program that they have to introduce you to the different options for May term. And this, um, my sensei gets up on stage, my eventual sensei, sensei, Kawahara sensei gets up on stage and she's just like, yeah, so I take people to Japan for a month and we do like two weeks of travel and then two weeks of homestay. So if you're interested, let me know. And I don't know what happened in my brain, but it just like, I clicked and I was like, I wanna go to Japan. Like I need to go to Japan. So I ran up to her after it was done. And I was like, I really want to go. And she's like, okay, just like fill this out. And then that night I called my parents and I was like, can I go to Japan? And they were like, um, I guess. <laughs> um, and so I ended up going to Japan at the end of my first year of college and it completely changed my life. So I had been abroad, I'd been to Mexico before, right? But I hadn't really been out of the country and I hadn't been to a culture that was so drastically different from my own. Um, and so for two weeks, 
weeks, we went and we traveled to Hiroshima, um, Osaka, uh, Kyoto, and then we went up to Chiba Prefecture. And we stayed in Chiba for two weeks with host uh, homestay uh, families. And I had two wonderful host families that I'm still in touch with to this day. And I decided at the end of that, that I wanted to be able to speak to them in Japanese. Um, and so I went back to my university and started learning Japanese. Turned out I was pretty good at languages, didn't know until sophomore year of college, but it's okay, we learn in time and we figure things out, right? Um, and so I started learning more and more about Japanese culture and Japan. And then I was supposed to go study abroad and the Great East Japan earthquake happened. Um, and so unfortunately I wasn't able to go. It happened literally the day after my 21st birthday. Um, and I remember because I flew out to LA getting ready to go to Japan and they were like, no, we're not sending you. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so I studied Japanese at UCLA um, that summer. And then I decided that I wanted to go live in Japan no matter what. Um, and I applied for both the Fulbright and the JET program. And I happened to get into the JET program. Um, and that was sort of how I ended up living there for a couple of years. But I would say my interests really just came out of the blue. I was never really big into like anime or manga. Um, I had, when I was younger, I bought a book uh, called like my first thousand words in Japanese and like learned to count, but like it didn't occur to me that like that may have been me being interested in Japan. Um, so I, I'm still trying to uncover what it was um, that really sparked the interest in me that one night in October, my first year of college, but whatever it was, I'm glad, I'm glad that it happened. And I think, you know, I didn't think about it so much as, as being a woman or a black woman. And the first time that I went there, that wasn't really a thing because we were just there for a short period of time. And um, I was with a bunch of other students. And so it didn't, didn't really matter. But as I got to live there, um, that aspect definitely, definitely changed um, a little bit. Um, and, you know, living there as a black woman is, especially in the countryside, I was in Kamogawa, which is a town of like 30,000 people roughly. So it's like fairly small. It's in the Inaka, like the countryside. Um, I definitely stood out. Uh, that was, that was for sure. And I was definitely, you know, I had my Afro and was a lot darker skinned than maybe a lot of people have seen before. Um, so yeah, that was, that was an interesting aspect of it, but yeah, that was how I got interested in it. Wow. That was a great story. I think I met you around that time. Um, after 11, I remember your face very well. I was like, oh, I, I met her at a party in Rapungi before. It was like someone's birthday um, party. It was either somebody's birthday or it might have been one of the Black History Month events. No, it was a birthday party for sure. It was a birthday? Yeah, we was in like this restaurant. You know Monique? Yes, Monique. I, I know Monique. It was someone else. I think it was like Daisha or someone. It was somebody. Oh, okay. Cool. It might have been Daisha's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was someone's. And then that's why when I saw your face, I was like, yeah. I know I met you because you were sitting down just cool as all get out. I was <laughs> like, hey. I probably was. And yeah, you, I vaguely remember it. Yeah. And you yeah. were doing a lot of laughing. So that's why I remember yeah. your laugh. Yeah. 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 So I think, yeah, as as a woman, it didn't necessarily at the time when I first became interested in it, it wasn't um wasn't as big of a thing. But as I grew to live there, that's when that's when that started to become more of a factor, if you will. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that. Cause yeah. I don't I'm not an anime too, you know. So like Yeah, yeah. I never really was into like anime or manga. It's nothing against it. I just I, I was really into Hayao Miyazaki films. So like Spirited Away, Totoro, things like that. I really loved those, but it didn't click to me that those were like from Japan. Um, and I really knew, I now that I look back on it, I really knew nothing about Japan or Asia or really anything um, for as worldly as, as my family was. My mom traveled a lot for work. Um, I just did not know nearly as much as I know now about, about the cultures and things like that. But yeah. That's usually how it always is. Mm -hmm. uh, but before we move on to the next question, you got any interesting stories or memories uh, from your time in the Inaka uh, <laughs> that you can oh, share? Goodness. I'm sure you yeah. probably do. Oh, goodness. There were so many. Um, it was, I really loved my little town, Kamogawa. Um, it was right on the ocean, and I lived like a minute from the ocean. So I learned how to surf. My neighbors, um, were really great. I'm still in touch with them. Uh, they run Sue restaurant over there uh, in Kamogawa and they taught me how to surf and um, really got to explore all of the city because of them. If I were to think of one really great memory there, um, I mean, I always enjoyed going, I was a multiple school ALT. So I taught at uh, like seven different schools um, and I met a teacher 
um, at one of my schools, Hitomi Sensei, um, who I'm still in touch with. And she and I decided to go to see Takarazuka, um, which is like the female, all female class, like the opposite of Kabuki. So like it's um, all females playing the roles. Um, we got to do that. That was in Tokyo, but it still had, it came from knowing her in Kamogawa. Um, there's so many cafes that I got to visit um, in the little town and we had Kamogawa SeaWorld. So that was always, it was always fun um, going to see that. But I think like there's so many different experiences that I got to have. It's hard to think of just like one that really, um, really stood out. But I really enjoyed that city. It's I call it like my third home, um, and really, always I want to go back all the time um, and see everyone and, and visit everybody and say hi. Yeah. And how long did you stay in Japan? I was in Japan for two years. Um, so I, you know, with the Jet program, you can um, contract. It's a one-year contract, and then you can extend um, extend it up to five years now. At this point. Um, so I was there for two years, um, and it was really, I think for me, the first year was getting grounded, right? And then the second year was really flourishing there. Um, so I did live close enough to go to Tokyo every weekend, and that's how I met, you know, Daisha and Monique and a number of people um, that are still there now. And so I think for me, the first year was kind of figuring that out, and then the sec second year was implementing that. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a great experience. I don't know that I would have stayed much longer. Um, but I think two years was, was good for me. Yeah. It was a good experience. Understood. So let's go ahead and move on. LaVille, you want to go ahead and take the next question, brother? Yes. Um, with time in Japan, did you feel that you were being accepted into society? If so, when did you realize that? Yeah, so that's a that's a really great question. I think, again, with the first year and second year, if I compare the two, it wasn't until I said I was leaving that I was accepted. Um, and this is something that I have reflected on for a while. You know, because I was a multiple school ALT, I was going to different schools every day. And, you know, in Japan, the idea is that you're with your group sort of for a set period of time, right? So teachers rotate every two years, but they're with that school for those two years. Whereas for me, I was going to one school in the morning and one school in the afternoon. And then the other day I was going to the school and the kindergarten and the elementary school. And so I was never able to really get close to any of the staff that I worked with. Um, and that felt a little isolating at first. Um, and so when I decided that I wasn't gonna extend past to a third year, that was, that was about a, year before I was leaving, right? That was when I started to feel like maybe I was being a little bit more accepted. Um, I started getting invited to the Bonenkais and the Shinenkais and everybody wanted to go to dinner and everybody wanted to hang out. Um, and I did speak the language. Um, funny story, I remember the first day I showed up to one of my schools, my teacher was like, no Japanese at school. And I was like, what? what? Like, I have worked so hard on this Japanese. Like, you are going to hear this, right? Like, why are you telling me no? And she's like, because the students, if they know that you speak Japanese, they will not try and learn English. And I was like, oh, okay. And so it took me, you know, like that at first made me feel like I wasn't being accepted. But then once I only used English with the students and things like that, they started to be like, okay, like she knows it, but like she's not going to speak it with us. So we're going to try and learn English, right? Um, so when the students started to accept me more and the teachers started to accept me more, I think that was when I realized like, oh, okay, like I'm actually able to assimilate to some extent into Japanese culture. And that was really what I, what I studied in college, right? Language as a tool to break down cultural barriers is really about figuring out if because I know the language and the culture, can I actually assimilate into that culture? Can I not? What are the um, sort of the boundaries on that? And I think with Japan, as much as you think that you're um, being accepted, you're always going to be a, an outsider just to some extent, especially as a, as a black woman. So I, I think I definitely realized it when I was getting ready to leave um, because they were like, no, don't go, like, don't go. And I was like, no, I gotta go. But like, I wish we had like gotten close the first year so that we could have had more, you know, more opportunities to hang out. Um, but yeah, when I started to realize it, it was it was great because I still got to do a lot of things, like I said, with, with people and go see different shows and um, experience a lot of different aspects of Japanese culture. Um, one of my favorite memories, it's not from my town, but from a friend of mine, Yuki, um, her grandmother, who I believe will be 102 this year, um, has, has been practicing tea ceremony pretty much her whole life and has a home in Toyama. 
And so as I was getting ready to leave Japan, she invited me over for a tea ceremony. We went all the way over to Toyama from Chiba. So that's like a seven hour trip, like two hours to Tokyo and then five hours over to um, Toyama and Kanazawa, Pre Kanazawa Prefecture. And um, we get there and, you know, because I'm able to speak Japanese, her grandmother is just like able to communicate with me. And we have this really great experience of learning tea ceremony. And she told me that I have like the, the tea ceremony heart and like, you know, that she really, really appreciated me coming out there to see her. and. I'll never forget that experience. Um, so there were moments like that where I was like, okay, like now I'm actually sort of being accepted and like really sort of integrated into into that. And a lot of times you'll hear this phrase, Nihonjin yori Nihonji boy, which means like you're more Japanese than Japanese people. And I heard that a lot, right? Um, I never like took it as like seriously, I suppose. Um, but I think I tried my best to do as much as I could to um, practice proper manners and speak the correct way and really make sure they understood that I was doing my best to learn about Japanese society. And that helped me get um, more accepted into the society. That's awesome, Ella. Beautiful to hear that. Now, do you feel that many of those relationships that you created were extremely genuine or more or less due to the fact of their mm. culture still kind of still embedding the fact that oh, yeah. you're a visitor oh, we have to be polite we must yeah. do this we have to do this and also the big thing that me and Lavelle love is dun, da, 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 tate mai. Yeah. Ah, yes. good old tate mai. <laughs> good old tate mai, right so how, how do you feel those relationships work i'm pretty sure you do have some of them that you felt and you know they are very genuine about their relationship with you but how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I think the ones that I know were sort of honne, right? So the the real true um, feelings that weren't necessarily taught to my are the ones that I'm still in touch with now, right? Um, because that meant that they actually did, you know, care about me and wanted to know about me. Now it's a two way street. Some of those relationships did fall off because of me, right? Because I didn't reach out um, or I didn't, you know, keep the email thread going and things like that. But I think to the extent that they're still in touch with me now, that would mean that it's less tatemai and more honne, right? Um, but it definitely always gave you pause, right? There's, of course, there was the dating situation, right? Where like, I remember one time I went to a concert in Yokohama. It was right when I had first moved there. I was leaving, it was like 4 a.m. So I was getting on the last, like the first train out. Um, this guy comes up, right? And he wants to get my number and he's talking to me, whatever, da, 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 da. And of course, in the end, that was purely like, I just want to be with an American person. So that was very like tatemai um, type of relationship. Whereas my neighbors who taught me how to surf and they taught me, um, they taught me about cleaning up on 311. And they always like, whenever I would go to their restaurant, they would always feed me and they always checked on me and all those different things. Like they were genuinely um, getting to know me and, and really wanted to know about American culture. And they knew a little bit about it. Um, but they genuinely wanted to like see me succeed. I think another one that unfortunately I didn't keep up with as much as I could have, but um, Yamada-san was um, an older man who was at my gym that I would go to in Katsura, which was about 30 minutes north of my town. Um, and he's the one who taught me. So that this thing right here is uh, a naginata. So it's like a Japanese martial art that I practice. And he um, taught me naginata. He like invited me to join their team. He, the sensei gave me that. So that's actually from Japan. It was her, Naginata. And then he got me like gear that was like stitched with my name um, and things like that. So like that felt like a very like genuine um, thing. Although, I mean, they really accepted me into the team. I'll never forget our team dinner in the middle of the woods in Chiba Prefecture. We're all just there like laughing and drinking, like speaking Japanese, like having a really great time. And I'll never forget experiences like that. So I think as much as there was a lot of tatemai, um, I tried to just accept the relationships for what they were. Um, and the ones that were more honne, um, I think are the ones that I'm still sort of involved with now. But it's definitely, it gives you pause with everybody that you meet. Um, when you live there because you're like, mm, do they actually like want to get to know me or are they just trying to get English practice or like, do they actually care about who I am as a person or are they just trying to be nice because I'm a foreigner, right? And that is, that does make you a little bit insecure about your actions, your friendships. Um, 
and it makes it hard to make friends in Japan with Japanese people, for sure. Um, just because you're never sure if they actually like you, if they're just being nice. Um, so I feel bad for, for <laughs> people who have to go through that on the daily, because that is definitely, um, it's really taxing on your, on your emotional, you know, aspects of living there and stuff like that. You know, it's a very, it can be very isolating. Um, I live again in the countryside, so in the winters, when it wasn't as easy to go out, you know, just spending days, <laughs> much like what we're doing right now, <laughs> days in my apartment, um, could have was very isolating. Whereas, you know, they had family and friends that they could visit and hang out with, and and those were their, those were their buddies. So, um, yeah, it definitely could get to you um, sometimes. And I, I definitely tell people before they go to Japan um, to just be wary of that, right? Um, because it will get you caught up and you will not know what's real and what's not um, if you're not able to sort of distinguish um, between the honne and the tatemae um, that happens. Why did you find yourself also like having to fight, a, um, let me say like tearing down a lot of stereotypes? For example, like when you're out with people, they're like, do you don't eat this right? You don't do this always. right? And always. it's yeah. like you're constantly always trying to prove yourself. Was that a yeah. issue yeah. you found? The one that I got a lot, besides the you don't eat this or like you don't know about this, which like most of the time I did, and so they would be like, eh, like non the non the like why do you know about that, right? Was <laughs> 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 like yes, I know how to use chopsticks. Sorry, I just I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it, yeah. Um, you know, besides that aspect, it was that I could sing, right? Um, that was one of the ones that I got all the time because I'm obviously a bigger black woman and they were like, oh, like Aretha Franklin or like, you know, all those people who are like black soul singers that are popular in Japan um, and can sing. And I can't sing to save my life. And I really, really don't like karaoke uh, or karaoke. Um, and so that was one that I had to constantly um, sort of fight against. Um, and it can't, again, it can get to you, right? Because you can be like, hey, like, can y'all just give me some benefit of the doubt, like that I know something, right? Um, and it can make you feel like, not that you're not smart, but that it just, again, it makes you question everything. And that can get really exhausting. And I think that might've been been part of my wanting to leave, right? Because that question was just gonna keep coming up. Why are you in Japan? How long are you in Japan? What do you like about Japan? You know, like, what do you know about Japan? Oh, do you know about this? Like that was always gonna keep happening. And I. I did not, <laughs> not have time for that. Um, so I think for me, those questions, yeah, they get really repetitive and and at times they can be a little bit insulting because you're just like, okay, I've been here for like a year now. Like, I do know about that stuff. Like, yes, I know what's going on with that. You know, I know how to do that um, type of thing. And it's, you know, there's a joke about the Gaijin smash, but with those questions repeatedly happening, right? Like that, makes you want to like just be the gaijin for a second and just be like oh no i don't know about that like you know because you're just tired of of getting questioned about those things um so it's this give and take right it's this balance of like trying to really respect and enjoy japanese culture and then having it sort of be put in your face as like mm, but no you don't really know japanese culture right like no you don't really know about it like that can get kind of um kind of annoying and irritating at times um for sure Wow, um, that is that is very tiring. Even hearing you talk about it reminds yeah. me, like in America, you're reminded, you have moments where you're reminded that you're black, right? Like, yeah. hey, you're black. Yeah. In Japan, you're always reminded you don't belong here. So, uh, when you going home, when are you leaving? Yeah, when you leaving, right. and you like, it's like you just got comfortable. You have to like it's like being in someone's house, and you finally like got comfortable, and you're like, okay, it's time to go. Right. You like. Right. No. no, I'm just trying to stay here for a little bit. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think it's something that they don't, I don't know, maybe they don't notice that they do it, right? But, or it's one of those like negative, passive aggressive things where it's like, don't you want to leave now? Right? Like, don't you want to go home? Like they're asking you that way. It was like, it's almost like saying like, okay, it's time for you to leave now. Right? Like it's time for you to leave Japan. We try to be nice to you right now. So. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's the funny negative you yeah. You said about the five years. I kind of thought about that. Like, Jet only does five years. Like, mm -hmm. that's kind of like saying, like, okay, you've had your time here. Go back. 
Well, yeah, and most people after their fifth year, it's really a question of like, okay, you're gonna stay there for five years and then you're gonna continue as a teacher. So I know everybody, I know a range of people, right? Um, I know people who have stayed on to be a teacher at elementary schools, kindergartens, all those different things. Um, but I also know people, you know, that um, have gone on to be singers in Tokyo, have gone on to hold whole musical careers and, and all those different things. But the five year mark is sort of when they're like, all right, so like you have to make a choice. and. You know, and then you get into the conversation about the visa, right? Where they only extend it for one year each year for you, unless you have special circumstances and maybe they'll give you three years. And if you have really special circumstances, they'll give you more, right? But- um, Struggle. Yeah, they seem to make it very difficult for you to stay there um, long-term. I only know a handful of people that are, you know, so Henry Seals, of course, who now has citizenship there, I believe. Um, and then Baye McNeil, um, who also just bought property, which like goals, like I want to buy property in Japan so bad. So shout out to Baye for doing that. But, you know, people who are there for that long term, um, I can imagine that they get a little bit tired of it, especially because they're like, no, I've, I'm, I'm going to live here for the rest of my life. And people are like, what? Like, why are you doing that? You know, and it just it can get a little bit frustrating. But, but yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, all those listening, it can. But um, recently, I think they've been trying to loosen up on immigration um, to where people getting it's like a one, three, it's like a one, one, three, five. Yes. But I know people before it was just like one, 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 one. It was like five, (laughs) six years of one, one, ones. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, why people want to leave? Can you imagine one, 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 14 years? Like, you have to go to that office. I never had to do it because I wasn't there long enough. But for all my friends, I've seen their their horror stories of, like, you have to go to the office, but it's only open during, like, a certain amount of hours. And if you don't get there on time, you won't be able to get your appointment. So then it's, like, and it's also, like, an hour or two outside of Tokyo, right? And so it's, like, really difficult to get there sometimes. And, um, yeah, they do not make it easy to renew your visa, I've heard. And, yeah, I could not imagine having to go every single year, Um for 14 years just to keep living there. Like at what point do they decide like, okay, yeah, you're definitely gonna live here. Like you've had a steady job here for this many years. Like you clearly are not gonna just like escape or something. Um, Yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh, Yeah, some people are buying property here. Uh, Some people are living here for their whole life as a foreigner. I would like to get some of those people on the mic and talk about that because I thought and Lavelle can vouch for this. I was trying hard to stay here for the long term, but then mm-hmm. many things changed in my life, and I started to view things in a much more broader perspective. Right. And I myself felt as that having conversations with Lavelle and other people that obviously this society does not value me. Mm. Um, I've been here 10 years. I speak the language fluently. I have experiences in a variety of industries and I can't move in a very comfortable way financially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got to yeah. stop. Yeah. So to those who may, if you're listening to this and you do have the path and you found the route of the way, reach out to the BU podcast or Ellis channel. And let's talk about that because uh, me, I've, I put a lot into this place and didn't get the return that I expected. Um, and now it has to come, you know, it's coming to a close. Do I love Japan? Yes. I was here for 10 years. I've met a lot of amazing people. I've learned and I feel well still more learning to have mastered a language as well. Yeah. And that has branched me out to want to learn other languages as well, as you said as well, Ella. I, I found that I have a knack for that. Yep. Um, so yeah. With that being said, let's move on to the next question, which yep. I you kind of alluded into some of the yep. these things of why you did this, but let's see if we kind of focus in on that. Is why yep. such a short stay short stay? Like yeah. a lot of people say, and probably you yourself as well, think I'm an outlier. I'm an right. anomaly. Right. 10 years, not military, not prior military, right. just a guy from the south suburbs of Chicago that came to Japan. Yeah. Uh, usually most such as yourself too, 
maybe like you said if you're a jet five yep. at the most but yep. I, yeah between that two to five window usually mm-hmm. people say all right i'm going back to my home country or am yep. going to another country to pursue something different so yep. why your short stay yeah um so it was a very difficult decision so when i moved there when i first moved to japan i told myself okay we're gonna give this a year um, and, and just for more context, right, it was hard for me to even move to California. I had never been away from my family for that long. Um, but by the time I was graduating college, I'd been out there for four years and I never went home anymore because I had my great grandfather still lives out there and I had family. And so I was just always like, I was fine. Okay. So like I got off on my own. So moving to another country, I was just like, okay, let's just take this step by step, year by year. Um, and the first year was great. Like I said, right, it was the getting my grounding, sort of figuring out my routines, um, knowing where I like to shop, um, knowing who I like to hang out with, all those different things, right? And the second year came around and unfortunately, um, as often happens in the JET program, at a certain point, depending on the teacher that you have, um, you become somewhat of a tape recorder. Um, And I was not, because I was multiple school ALT, I was not able to really get to know my students as well as other ALTs who are single school ALTs, right? So if you're just at one school all the time, you get to know your students, they know you, you see them all the time. Um, But with being a multiple school, I wasn't able to really do that. And so I'm bouncing around from classroom to classroom, you know, and things like that. But it's literally just like, okay, read these words. Like keep reading these words. And that was just not um, gonna work for me. And I I noticed myself starting to burn out right around the time when, the contract renewal was coming up and I, I sat on it for a while, um, really reflected on it. Uh, not gonna lie, my mother really, really, really wanted me to come home. Um, like she really wanted me to come home. So um, I think she would have been fine if I stayed another year, but she really, um, really missed me. And so I, um, you know, I decided that I no longer, it would not be fair um, for me Um, and for the students to stay any longer um, because I was not going to be able to give them my best um, and I wasn't going to be able to encourage them in the way that I would have liked to do and so I just knew sort of in my in my gut that it was time for me to go and sometimes I think back on it and I'm like oh I could have done one more year but like I wouldn't have been happy it wouldn't have been you know as fulfilling as as it was the first two years and I just didn't want um, the students to suffer in that way and I thought it was best to give it um, up to give it to somebody else right and um, I had a number of experiences that sort of confirmed that it was the right decision. And, and one of them, you asked about stories about my town in general. And unfortunately, the one that I remember vividly was not a great one. And it was about a month before I was leaving for good. Um, and as I mentioned, there's Kamogawa SeaWorld. And um, I lived about a mile from it. So one of my white male friends came down and we decided to walk up there because he wanted to go see it. Um, we're walking down the street, down like the main road and this police car just keeps like circling. All right, and we're just like, mm, that's, that's weird. Like, that is that maybe it's a different car. Maybe that's just like, maybe they're going back to this police station or something like that. We just kind of ignored it. Um, we get to Kamigawa SeaWorld. I buy my ticket, I turn around and this police officer is in my face. Um, wow. And he's just like, show me your ID card, wow. your Zaidi Toroke. Uh, why wow. are you here? Where do you teach? Where do you live? What schools? Da, 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 da. And of course, I'm answering all this in Japanese. He's looking at my card. He's looking at me and, and whatever. And give him a satisfactory answer. And he just leaves. Right? And he doesn't even pay attention to my white friend. He doesn't say anything to him. Um, and my white friend is just sort of standing there like, did that just happen? And I was like, yeah, that did. Yeah. Right. And that was sort of like, okay, I made the right decision to go because like, I was not going to be able to put up with that happening more than once. Um, and unfortunately, the response that I got was like, oh, maybe he was new or like maybe he, you know, just didn't know and da, 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 da. And I was like, OK, but that doesn't explain why he didn't ask my white friend. Right. My white male yeah, friend. And um, and so that's one of the unfortunate uh, memories that I have from living over there. And I only I only share that story to let people know, and especially black people know that as you think about going to a country like Japan or Korea, there is still um discrimination and racism that happens to people of darker skin tones. Um, And so, you know, as much as I love Japan and I love it as a country, it is still working on on dealing with those issues, right? And I can guarantee you that every black person that lives there has at least been stopped once by police for their ID card, Uh, no matter where you are, right? You don't have to be, yeah, yep, not even surprised. Three times, I 
I've heard multiple times. There's, you know, people who literally get stopped all the time and like almost by the same person, right? Um, and so I only say that to say that as much as I love it, just remember when you go there to protect your energy in that sense, right? Um, and remember that no matter where you go, um, it's gonna be, you know, a possibility of that type of thing happening. Um, but at that point, that happened and, you know, I said, in the same way that I was very happy that everybody wanted to hang out, the fact that they were all wanting to hang out with me when I was leaving, kind of like, I was like, oh, like really y'all? Um, so I think that kind of, those two things kind of confirmed that the shorter stay was the better option for me. Um, and oftentimes now that I'm back, people are like, well, would you, would you want to live in Japan again? Would you want to stay there for the rest of your life or live there forever? And I don't know that I would want to live there forever just because of the, um, the social security and like retirement options aren't great um, for foreigners that live there. Like it's not really like a great system built up for non-nationals, which fine. Um, and so that wouldn't be ideal. But if I could go live there again for like a year or two, I probably would, right? Um, mostly because I want to go back and like go back to my favorite places and like see things and, you know, see all my friends and, and stuff like that. Um, but I think the short stay for me personally was was the best option. I came back and I worked at the consulate, which was like still working in Japan, but just here in Chicago. Um, so that was a good reverse culture shock, um, sort of ease into reverse culture shock, right? Because I still had one foot in Japan, um, but one foot in America. Um, but I think that was that was the re reasoning behind it. The main thing was I did not feel it would be fair to my students who I loved so much. Um, to make them suffer through me being unhappy, teaching them um, for another year. Wow, thanks for sharing that. So for those yeah. who are listening about the stop, it normally happens in bigger cities normally. In smaller cities, it happens in small cities too, my bad. But if you're around a base, I know some people are like, well, it never happened to me yeah. because that was my case. If you're around like a base area, no right. one really stops you. It's like, oh, they belong. Like you belong. And Japan is a place of order and when people don't get it, they're just order thing. And order means you are where you belong. But once you're outside those parameters, it's like, okay, you don't belong here. And it just, once again, like we said earlier, reminds you, do I belong here? Mm, mm, yeah. And then, like you said, for your Caucasian friend, he was like, I guess I belong here. He never has to really guess, does he belong? Because he belongs everywhere, kind of. And that that's something that gets under your skin and it didn't happen to me until i was like in yokohama in the train station mm -hmm. waiting for a friend i was waiting for ashley one time and the officer walked up to me and i was like okay i just i complied went along easily yeah. and he was just it was like why did you stop me in yokohama station all these people moving and you just chose me so i just started joking with him treating yeah. him like he was like i was like hey what's your name where you from yeah. So he right. asked me a question, asked him where he's from. Oh, 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 oh. Right. And he just looked like puzzled, like, hold on, this guy yeah. came from me? And yeah. I was like, yeah, hey. I was like, all right, see you later, man. See you next time. And he was just like, hold yeah, on. He was just like, oh my gosh. Because I'm from the South and I'm used to like getting pulled over yep. for no reason. Yep. So that's how I always interact with the racist cops in the South. So yeah. I did the same thing to him. So I mean, yeah. I wanted to tell everyone, don't really get mad just yeah. go along with them happy and blow and bust their bubble yeah i um the students would always touch my hair because it was very different and you know hair like mine is often also associated with the yeah um because um they tend to get perms um and so they would touch my hair and so i would just touch their hair back and just be like oh yeah your hair is so straight like you know like things like that um yeah it kind of like breaks their like psyche a little bit they're like wait oh wait what i'm doing might not be right like what i'm doing might not be okay exactly uh, thank you yeah. so it challenges them in that way that's a good point yeah or if they stare like stare back at them like can i help you are you is something yes. happening um yeah, yeah yeah that's definitely a thing but yeah i think for anybody listening i think it's a great country um and and things like that but there are still still things um, that happen that because I really think a lot of things that they do here, aren't, it's not out of hate, it's more of ignorance. No. Like they don't know. So when you be the mirror for them, you kind of reflect back with their actions and they're looking like, hmm, I don't like it. So right. they probably don't like it. Right. So when I do, like you just said, when y'all do it, it's never for, it's a great teaching tool. And it normally works, like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, just sort of mirror it back and they'll sort of be like, hmm, hmm, nonka okashi. <laughs> like, they'll be like, yeah, that's a little, oh, nah. a little strange. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, nah. ja. so, you know, Next question. Hi. Let's go into that. Wow, two black folks speaking Japanese. If any Japanese person is listening to this, they're probably like, holy shit. そうだね。なんかちょっとね。なんか普段あの、他の黒人と日本語喋れないけど、そうね、二人だって日本語喋喋るのがすごく恥じじゃ。そうそうそう。Most definitely, man. So after the next question and this will be the final question of the evening and then we'll get into our BU drill which we'll kind of explain to you about that in a minute. All right. What message and advice do you have for black men and women that want to come abroad to Japan? Yeah. As I found out, there's many, there is quite, a, I mean, so many uh, black youth that yes. are interested in Japan and want to come here. And I was so surprised and so happy about that to see that. Yeah. But I, or I'm pretty sure you or Lavelle as well, don't want them getting sideswiped as hard as I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, come in here. So what, what was, what's your messages or advice that you have for those out there that may be listening to this? It's interesting that you brought up the youth because actually a friend of mine, Ember Richardson, started, we we helped to start a program called African-American Youth Travel Program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we brought over students for a couple of years. Um, she's now getting her pilot's license, I think, in Seattle, Washington. But um, yeah, that I love introducing youth to Japan. And even when I worked at the consulate, I did that by um, doing a program on black youth from the Midwest, mostly Chicago, who had traveled to Japan and what the impact was on their lives. Um, and I think the the main message I would say is do it. Um, so come over, go over to Japan um, because it will change your life. Um, whether that's because you'll get experience with another culture, another language, living on your own. Um, I think there are a lot of aspects of Japanese culture that could really, um, and I say this in the sense of like, the way in which they work as a group is something that I think black people could really relate to and really benefit from. Um, and so I think though there are some aspects of Japanese society that I really think the black community I, identifies with and could identify with really well. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, and so I think come like go over there, go to Japan, travel as much as you can. Um, but also remember that, yeah, like you are still going to be a black person traveling and there are going to be situations that might be a little bit more uncomfortable for you than maybe your other traveling counterparts. Um, go, don't be afraid to live there though. Don't be afraid to um, go there because you're interested in music or um, maybe anime. I know there's the new anime studio that's you know been made by a black man, right, in Japan. Um, there are just so many opportunities and things like that. So my number one piece of advice would be if you're thinking about it or even questioning it, just do it. Like go to Japan. Um, you will have an amazing time and you'll get exposure to a culture that is just so wonderful um, and so um, informative and just will really change your life. It changed my life completely. I, If I hadn't gone to Japan my first year of college, I wouldn't even be here talking to you all right now. Like this is, um, it really changed the whole course of my life. And learning the language, definitely learn the language as much as you can. Um, if only because um, when you're going into another culture, it is just, it's sort of a sign of respect, right? To learn about their language and their culture. Um, and you can't really learn about Japanese uh, language without learning about the culture because there's hierarchy, there's ways you have to speak to certain people and ways that you speak to other people um, and things like that. So I encourage you to learn the language as much as you can before going to Japan. Um, and at least learning, you know, especially if you want to go work for a company, how do they do job searches there? It's very different from how we do job searches here, right? Um, I remember actually, I was so, it was so ingrained in me, um, the job searching program, that when I switched jobs from the consulate to my current position, they were a little bit surprised because I was wearing the black suit, the white shirt, my hair was pulled back into a ponytail. And then I show up for my first day and I've got an afro and like makeup and color and all these different things. And they're just like, Oh, we thought we thought you're gonna be a little more like the day you interviewed, and I'm like, yeah, no, I gave that up uh, when I left the consulate. But knowing 
knowing that they have a uniform that you wear to get a job is important to know, right? Um, or knowing when to wear certain things or do certain things um, is important. So definitely learn about the culture, learn about the language, um, go enjoy and explore Japan and also protect your heart and your energy um, when you do it. Lavelle, can you chime in on that? Because I feel like we're kindred spirits, man, because Lavelle and I always talk about that and how as African-Americans, we can look at them and bring things together on our homeland. Yes. Um, you, do you know about Dr. Was Dr. John Henry Clark? I think his name was. Uh, he was... He was, he basically said the same thing a long time ago. Like it was like 40, 50 years ago. He said that if black people can look at Japan, we have a great connection with them and, and how they would rebuild after World War II. Mm -hmm. If we took a lot of those elements, uh, we could also rebuild ourselves and be a great asset to humanity in a sense. Like, and that's something, and like you said about the structure, I think, that's something that I really admire. And that's why I tell people to come as well. Yeah. When we're here, you get to see a lot of things and hopefully we can all take it back home and implement that in our community. So thank you for sharing that. Cause yeah. that's something I'm always, I would say pushing towards everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think there, again, there are just so many things that we could learn as black community. And it's, it's something that'll take years to, to implement. Right. But there's strength in numbers and the more of us that travel to Japan and know about Japanese culture and things like that, the more that will, um, that will know about it and bring it back as well. Mm, okay. His name was John Herrick Clark. He was a African American, uh, historian. He has a lot John of speeches. Herrick. Yeah. He, I'll look him up. <clears throat> he was, um, how would you say? And it was funny because he's actually from Alabama, kind of where I'm from, like right, right down the road. Oh, yeah. His family. Yeah. He's from I'm from Tuskegee. He's from Union Springs, okay. Alabama. Yeah. And um, he has videos on it. So hmm. okay. I'll look it up. Thank you. Yeah. 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 You ready, right. Ash? Yeah, okay. I am ready. I am ready. I am okay. ready. Um, be you drill. Yes, Ella. Thank you for being here. And um, the be you drill is we're gonna throw you two questions. I mean, okay. uh, two options. Okay. And you have three, of course, you can pass. So we're going to ask you the question. And you you just name which one you choose, okay? So it's just to help people get a better perspective of who you are and what okay. you like. Okay. Do so I have to say why or am I, just, am I just choosing? Just choosing. Oh, just choosing. Okay. Yeah, we'll All probably right. laugh about it and things throughout. But you want to kind of alternate and switch off on Questionsville? Yeah, you, you can go first because they seem to be very Chicago, you know. Yes, I did. Oh, goodness. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, so Ella, you ready? Let's go ahead and get into it. Okay. All right, so first one: Harold's Chicken or Uncle Remus? <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was gonna be a question. Yeah, you Harold. Did you. I'm a Harold. Oh, hell yeah, that mouse all six feet hard. Yes, yes. <laughs> Harold, sure. But one. I definitely Next asked this question. Yeah. <laughs> Next one: Chance or Kanye? Oh shoot! <laughs> okay, we all know Kanye going through it now, but it's a hard one. I know it is. He is, he is. But I gotta go with Kanye. I've just been, I've been a fan of his music for a very long time. Um, no yeah. doubt, yeah. no yeah. doubt. Giordano's a pizzeria uno. Giordano's. I like their crust. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and this one, Japanese or Korean, which is harder? Korean for me is a little bit harder. Um, if only because there's these like double vowels, like long vowels. There's vowels that we don't even have in English, so Korean. Familiar, very familiar with that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Lavelle, you want to go ahead and take over? Yes. Um, sushi or ramen? Sushi. Ooh. Nike or Adidas? Nike. Oh. Read a book or Netflix? <laughs> Read a book. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> Delta or United Airlines? Wow. 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 Okay. <laughs> it's going to be controversial, but United. I can explain. I can explain. <laughs> if you want me to, I can explain. the pop a little All right. Next one. Sneakers or heels? Heels. Oh. All right. Last one. Very easy. Everybody know it. Chicken or fish? No, I'm just throwing it out for Japan. <laughs> oh, um, for Japan? 
Because I, I, chicken. No, I no, like chicken. I like chicken. All right, your personal preference, yeah. Now, I was just throwing it out there because sometimes people are like, oh, you go to Japan because you like fish. Like, no, we still love chicken, but. No, love I love chicken. Like, yeah. I I pretty good fried chicken. Like, karaage is not bad. It's not bad at all. All right, thank you for participating in the BU drill. That's thank it. you. That's it with that. Thank you for running through that real quick. Woo! Good job picking heroes. Sound like you got oh, a yeah. story about United or Delta. Which one? Not <laughs> <laughs> a story, but like I just have the most miles with United right now. <laughs> so oh, okay. That's hey, literally it. Cannot that. Yeah. Can not that. Yeah. I thought you had a horror story. No, 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 no. I just okay. have the most miles with them right now, so that makes sense. Cool. Yeah, I actually made that question because I have horror stories with United, so I'm always like, I've heard who many. Else? Yeah, who else got them. Yeah, you. So yeah. Ella, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> thank you for having me. It was so fun. It's yeah. a pleasure. Yeah. If you want, yes, I would definitely be checking out your show. I like it. Yeah, really- thank you. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. And likewise, I will be checking y'all's out and, yeah. and learn more about the BU crew and everything. Um, yeah, thank you for for having me. Yeah, not not a problem at all. Yeah. So, with that being said, uh, you just want to kind of shout out your social media tags. Anything else you want to drop out there uh, <laughs> for the masses? Nope. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Instagram is Ella the T H E Connector K I N E E E C K T O R. It'll come up once you type in Ella the Kin. You'll pretty much come up with it. Uh, Twitter is the Connector. Uh, YouTube, Ella Marie, T E R E B I T E B. And yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it. Yeah, I look forward to talking to more of y'all and all of that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Speaking of that, I think we need to make a clubhouse room. Like, I think we should. Well, there's already one on there for the, for the Japanese speakers, but yeah, you know, something more focused. Yeah, we can work on that. We can definitely work on that. No doubt. Well, Ella, not gonna take up too much of your time. Yeah. You know you're a busy woman. Thank you. In so the shot. Yes. South side of the shot. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, you, too. oh, you as well too. Stay blessed. <laughs> Peace. Man, that was dope. Yes, that was very great. Um, very informative. Um, I like the way she broke down. I think we learned a lot. A whole lot, man. So you got any last words before we get any shout outs, anything like that, Bill? Um, just want to say, I think from listening to her lessons I learned, and I think everyone should, is step out of your comfort zone um, and take risk. Um, invest into your future by taking these risks and you be surprised that the universe will give you a great return in friendships and lessons learned and will basically those like seeds planted in the future they'll grow like she just told you she'll get the consulate and now she has like even a greater job now in america due to that taking that risk and like in her sophomore year in her freshman year and look how it has like changed her trajectory to where she probably would have just stayed in america and been had pretty much similar resumes as many of her peers but by making taking that risk and coming abroad she's now this very cultural woman speaking multiple yes. languages yes. and she uncovered a skill that many of us do not know we have and that's one thing living abroad will help you do is uncover some skills that you never knew you had so. absolutely no doubt about it and as far as for me same thing um once again thank you so much ella for coming on to the bu podcast it's much appreciated um but she did let us know yeah Pretty much to get out there and jump in the pond, man. Don't be afraid. Get out there and do what you think is best for you. Um, even if you might take a loss it, monetarily or something like that, do it. Self-invest. Uh, I believe that us as African-Americans, and I think LaVille really put me on this as well, too, and kind of brought it into perspective as well, too. Spend that money on that book. Spend that money on that subscription that is going to give you some return on investment on something that you're doing and things like that even you know the microphones and the things for this podcast uh because i haven't tossed and thinking about what i'm looking out to in the future spend that a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars on whatever it is is going to make you better we do it with bags and shoes and, and clothes and cars and all that bullshit excuse my language 
but when you're looking at that book in the store or when you're looking at something that you feel is going to help you grow and maybe make others go around you pay for it especially if you have the money especially if you have the money never think twice and i if i've stopped doing that when it goes to me it has something to do with me uh growing or something that's going to uh benefit me and make me better or somebody else better as well too so with that being said i'm going to close up with that any shout outs available in particular shout out shout outs i want to give a shout out to ella for being here and everybody else just know i love you and thank you and tune in for next time uh yeah follow me on instagram it's a lovely day and hopefully find us on the um clubhouse because we might start a room you know yeah yeah be looking out looking out for us on the clubhouse we probably start being on there a lot more often one shout out i want to say give a shout out to both our wives for letting us be in these rooms and being away from them for an hour and like what them dudes doing in there so we appreciate we appreciate y'all for supporting us in the podcast because you you know we enjoy doing it and um yeah that's the only shout out that i have for today so uh bill if you don't have anything else you want to go ahead and shut this down yeah let's shut it down yeah man most definitely man so everybody thank you for listening in be you family we really appreciate it so like as i always say morning noon night wherever you are in the world always remember to be you we are out shit negro that's all you had to say Thank you for listening to the BU Podcast. Please, always remember to be you. BU Podcast を聞いていただき、本当にありがとうございます。いつも BU をするのがしっかり覚えてください。